Do you have aspirations to be a leader in your business or organization? Welcome to Leadership Stars with your host, Linda Patton. Each week, we feature true leaders recognized in their fields who provide insight and ideas in creating a strong team and how you can become an effective leader. Now, here is Linda Patton. Welcome to today's episode of Leadership Stars. I am here with a very special guest, Linda Sharkey. Um, Linda and I have sort of known each other for a while. Um, I was actually on her show as well, and I'm so delighted to have her here. She is a trusted transformational expert. She's an author, a speaker, and a global leadership development coach. Um, she has lots to share with us about future-proofing our businesses as well as ourselves in future-proofing our leadership. So, Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Linda. I'm so glad to be here with you and uh, so enjoyed our show when you were on my uh, Future Proof Workplace. Yeah, it was it was great fun. And um, you I, I think we had a, a good time and we, we got some really key things out there for your audiences. And so we'll do some fun stuff for mine as well. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, Linda, I know a bit about you, but my audience doesn't. So, would you sort of give us our background, like how you got to where you are today? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I've worked a lot in private industry for uh, about 30 years. I was uh, very fortunate to have some very great senior roles in companies like General Electric and Hewlett-Packard. I was the chief talent officer there. And a number of other banks, financial services organizations, and etc. And uh, at one point, I got my master's degree, and uh, and then I went on to get my PhD when I was uh, at Payne Weber, which was just really an exciting experience. And I delved into organization leadership and culture, and it's just been a journey ever since. And I uh, took a sabbatical from HP, and then decided to stay on sabbatical, actually, and. Um, it was really great because I wrote my first book, uh, Optimizing Talent, and then a workbook with it on what you have to do to make sure you have the best talent in your organization, and then went on to do another book called Winning with Transglobal Leadership, which got named a bestseller, and then my most recent book, um, Future Proof Workplace. So I do a lot of coaching, consulting, and speaking and you are outstanding at all of those things. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, Linda, because I did some work at HP. I was a contractor for Kepner Trigo. Um, where were you that you were a talent officer? Oh, I was the talent chief talent officer for the whole company, and I was okay. in Palo Alto. Oh, you were? Okay. Yes. All right. We, we probably passed in the hall somewhere maybe, down there. Maybe. Yeah. So the only reason I say maybe is uh, depends on what years you were there. Yeah, possibly before you were there. Um, anyways, was, <laughs> I was go. there in the two thousands. Yeah, no, I was there um, in from eighty seven to uh, early two thousands. I would say, yeah. Okay. Well, so, I, I I was the end of Carly and the beginning, and, and then Mark the Mark Hurd era. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't even remember who was president. Anyways, um, interest. It is interesting how people's paths cross. It is and that not really? not always at the same time, right? right. Yeah, um, absolutely. And then you also are a founding member of the Marshall Goldsmith Group, right? An executive I mention that. Yeah, 
I I love Marshall. Uh, and I know he wrote the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Correct. That I have to tell you that that was a fantastic um, book. I actually picked it up, got it signed by him um, yeah. at the Professional Convention Management Association conference in T- Toronto many, okay. many years ago. Yeah. Marshall and I have known each other a very long time. I won't even begin to tell you. I brought him into GE before he wrote What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Mm-hmm. And if you read the forward of it, he mentions me in that book. He mentions me in Triggers. And um, I've just been so fortunate he wrote the forward for both of my last two books. And I've just, I'm grateful to Marshall because he's really helped catapult my career. And I'm, I'm forever grateful to him for that. And I've learned so much from him. Well, and weren't you just nominated or just awarded the top one, one of the top 100 coach coaches yeah. in, the, in that group? Yes. By, by him. And yes, I was, which was very exciting. So I was um, most, most humbled and honored, actually. (laughs) That's great. And congratulations. Thank Uh, you. So, Linda, why do you do what you do? Why did you get into this business of talent and organizational leadership and all that? Why that particular uh, aspect of work? Well, I'll try to give you the cliff notes, Linda. Very interesting. When I got out of college, um, you know, women were definitely discriminated more in the workplace than they are today, Mm -hmm. Uh, although they still are discriminated in the workplace, as we both know. But uh, then, you know, you have a college degree and you're asked how fast you can type. And, you know, fortunately, they don't ask you that (laughs) anymore. (laughs) But um, they ask similarly uh, sort of negative questions. But I was so resentful of, uh, not resentful, but so surprised at the way business treated women that I went looking for another job and and, um, I ran into a labor union and I uh, went working for for the labor union. It was actually a public employee union. And I began to see quite a different view of workers and, and the workplace and things that people were fighting for, for equity in the, in the workplace. And I really got kind of excited about it. And then I went uh, and was in the work of America Institute and, and uh, worked with some other people in the quality of work life and participative management and all of that. And I realized that you can't organize a well-led workforce. Mm. So if you have great leaders and you treat your employees with respect, you'll never have a union. And I realized that you can't change big organizations from an adversarial position. You have to change them with their leaders and help their leaders see uh, and learn how to be the effective leaders that they really want to be. Terrible leadership. And I really <laughs> people you know, I want to treat people badly and I want to boss people around. And I, like I said, some people do, but not everybody. And so that is honestly what got me into um, really to be all about organizational culture, leadership, organizational development, because that is really where you change the heart and soul of, of, a, of a company and, and the workforce heart and soul changes with you mm-hmm. as you treat people with respect, give people opportunity, um, et cetera. 
So you were on the bandwagon for empowerment long before it became the dirigere of today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. okay. So, Linda, how do you define empowerment? Well, I mean, that, that's an interesting question because it's it's one of those well overused words. Mm. And I think, you know, it's not the ability to make any decision you want at any time you want. It's the ability to have control over um, work that you're doing that fits into the overall strategy and goals of the company. Mm-hmm. And the ability to have a say, to be listened to, not necessarily always uh, agreed to, mm-hmm. but a feeling of being able to have a say, being treated with respect, um, not being told or micromanaged what to do, being asked how um, something might change. I'll give you two great stories. One, Laszlo Bach, I, I don't know if you recognize the name, but he's a mm-hmm. friend of mine and he was the uh, um, the head of uh, human resources. They called it people operation at Google. And my, my favorite story about Laszlo is we both worked together at GE and he got recruited to Google and I got recruited to HP. <laughs> Who do you think ended up better off in that situation? Yeah. But anyway, Laszlo was just quoted in the New York Times today uh, about really if you want people to get on board with change, you have to give them an opportunity to have a say about it. And actually, the article was about WeWork, and WeWork is dictating that people become vegetarians in their organization. Mm-hmm. And you know we're we're going back to dictatorial behavior much more frequently than we than we were. But um, and and you know Laszlo's point, and I think this is really the heart of empowerment, is saying to people, "This is where we'd like to go," and then asking them, "How can we get there together?" And Ooh. I think those are really important points. And that's empowerment. And the bottom of empowerment says there's respect. Mm-hmm. And the other pillar of empowerment is trust. If I respect you enough to ask you and agree with the direction you're going, I'm going to trust that you're going to do it and that you're going to be accountable for it. So that, that's how I sort of uh, characterize. And I have one more story if you have time for it. I think we do. But um, in my book, Winning with Transglobal Leadership, one of the things that we found in our research was that global leaders really were leaders who um, empowered others. We did not use that word, um, but but they were people who did trust and respect and ask and engage. And it's really interesting. We ran into this guy who was working for Procter & Gamble in China. And um, he had originally worked for Procter & Gamble, and he was trying to implement Six Sigma around the world. And he was getting a lot of resistance and, you know, thought primarily it was because it was a Western company coming into Asian environment and people just really didn't want to do it just because Mm -hmm. of those dynamics. And it wasn't the case at all when he and his team changed their tactics and went to Japan and said, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make sure we have zero defects in, in what we do. How would you do that here? Ah, all of a sudden, people said, well, we do this, we do that. 
And they customized it to their own culture and their own environment. Now, the company got their goal met, um, but it wasn't the process that they necessarily would use in the United States or perhaps in a Western in a Western company. That's the heart of empowerment. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that in the last century, so in the 1900s, uh, Bill Gates said that um, in this century, meaning 2000, that leaders would be those who empower others. And I so agree with the fact that empowerment you know, really gives the person the uh, ability to have input into what's going on. You know, where do they want to go? What do they want to do? What's the experiences that they want to have? What is the education they want to have? And to be able to have that dialogue around, here's the vision. How do we go about making that happen? How, what's your piece of it? And right. really having that, listen to and and. You know, having a say in what's going on, as you said, it doesn't mean that we're always going to agree with you, but um, it, it is important to um, feel that you're being heard, that you know what the vision is and where you fit into that vision and how your vision aligns with it so that we're all moving in the same direction, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um Maybe more. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, th- I think well, that's... A- uh, you know, you just mentioned Bill Gates. Um, mm-hmm. so had a quote from Steve Jobs, and I think this also goes to empowerment. I think it's so funny, being the chief talent officer for HP and, you know, being somebody who did talent and leadership uh, executive development for GE, um, for their senior leaders, Jobs, uh, Steve Jobs said, you know, we go out, we try to hire smart people, and then when we get them into our organization... We tell them what to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really true. And I have so many organizations. That's really true. Go out and get the best and the brightest. And then once you got them in there, you got, oh, no, this is how you have to do it. And, no, oh, no, this is where you have to go. And, you know, it kind of turns very smart people who typically are pretty expensive off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's very true is that um, we we go from asking and, you know, Try and getting input from people and all of that to a place where um, you're right. No, we're going to tell you what to do and how you're going to do it and where you're going to do it and what time and, and all that. And I, it really turns people off um, such that they expect that they're going to um, be able to, in some respects, have um, power over how their work is done and all right. that. And they don't. Right, right. Yeah, that's very just, sad. But we it haven't is. lesson yet, and we still, uh, you know, we still haven't. We're, we're we're still trying to learn that lesson, but we don't have some great role models out there, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it would be nice to have some more, and not to step back into that more patriarchal um, yeah. arena in leadership and that kind of thing. Right. Um, mm. So. Um, Future-proofing, we, we have a couple minutes before break. Could you, first of all, give us a definition of what is future-proofing? Well, it's really that you have to look at your organization today. You can't wait and be thinking about, oh, where are we going to be tomorrow and five years, ten years from now. What you've got to be doing is looking at your organization today and make taking steps immediately to get yourself uh organized around what the future is going to be and look like because nobody knows what the future is going to be and and frankly people can tell you what they think it's going to be 
uh, if you were talking six months ago, eight months ago, you would have thought of the, the electric car was going to be a reality way past Tesla uh, this, 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 this year. And, you know, other factors have come into play. Um, so things change, and they change okay. quickly. And let's, let's hold it right there, and we're going to take a, a quick break. And while we're breaking, think about where your company is going, where you're going. And so when Linda comes back, she'll give you some tips on how to future-proof your workplace. And we'll be right back. The Voice America Women's Channel. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at dare to dream with linda.com that's linda at dare the number two dream with linda.com now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market the voice america women's channel You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back to Leadership Stars, and I'm here with my spectacular guest, Linda Sharkey. And Linda was sharing with us her definition of future-proof workplace and what that looks like and and how it sounds and all of those elements. So, Linda, would you just recap what we talked about just before the break? Well, I think that this is a uh, rousing wake-up call. Um, And uh, really, the book is a survival guide Mm. for what you have to do today to make sure that not only you survive for tomorrow but that you thrive tomorrow because um 
everything is in such great flux that we really can't predict what the future is going to be like. And it's moving at such an incredibly fast pace that, uh, you know, it's very hard for people to internalize and accept all the change that is that's going on around them. And, you know, you, you hear a lot where people, and primarily it's the older generation, which is sort of interesting, they want things to go back to where they were. And, you know, once something has changed, it can never go back to where it was. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a phenomenon of life. Once changed, always changed. And, uh, you know, the cat is out of the bag. And I think the younger generation, I hate to say this, is looking at things very differently. It's the most educated generation out there. It's the most diverse generation out there. It's the most, it's the largest generation with, with women that um, expect to be treated with respect in the workplace and expect to be able to get ahead and do whatever that they, whatever they want to do. And, I, you know, I do see people struggling with this sort of uh, changing attitude uh, and with other people sort of questioning them as they're doing what they always do. And that is the way the world is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I had a guest on, uh, Norma Hollis, who works with authentic leadership. And we got to talking about, you know, we had the industrial age, and now we're sort of in the digital age, but we're moving on to an enlightened age. And that some of the new job descriptions she was talking about were just incredible. I mean, there were things like human flight, or... Um, Android relationships specialist, you know how to how to or human relationships specialist, yeah. and and I think the one that really um, triggered me there was an extinct species developer. So in essence, they were looking back at species that have been extinct for a while that actually are needed for our environment and for life here on on the planet, yeah. and the fact that you know we've allowed them to. Um, become extinct and I was I was saying you know I, I just saw um, the most recent Jurassic Park and that sort of reminds me of you know engineering dinosaurs um, in an age where there aren't dinosaurs and I think one of the the interesting pictures uh, ad wise for that was a lion standing on this uh, rock with the dinosaur across from him who's not standing on anything and roaring in his face and I thought how interesting it would be to have some of those extinct species back and you know what what would what would we need to do in order to be able to ha- live um, together cohabitate in this this world currently um, and I don't know what the answer is to that yeah. Um, point yeah well you know one of the things that we say is and i think this is really true that that this really isn't all about technology by the way mm-hmm. it's a digital age for sure and technology is much more sophisticated it's fast what it, this is really about is about change and transformation i mean the world has always gotten new technology think about the turn of the century from the 19th to the 20th century mm-hmm. uh, you know we had all of a sudden electricity we had cars, we had indoor plumbing, we had indoor heating, we could talk to people across continents. You know, there were automobiles coming down the pike. This was massive change for people. Mm -hmm. That's always been been there. 
And the demographic shifts have always been there. There isn't a pure blood human being in the entire world. If you go back 10,000 years or 15,000 years, whatever you want to go back to. Mm -hmm. We've always had demographic shifts. And we've always had people exploring. How do you think the United States got put together? And the people came from Siberia to, to come over here and to do things. So that's not the story. The the story is the fast pace of transformation. Mm -hmm. And that is what people are struggling with. And our book is really about what do you do personally to future-proof your career? And what do you do from an organization human perspective? This digital revolution, this century is driving human capability. This century is all about the human revolution. We can do wonderful things to help other people and help ourselves, or we can do things that are really nefarious mm-hmm. and don't help people and don't help build society and help take all of us to that next level. So, Linda, what were some of the ahas that you had since you wrote the book? I mean, you've given us some really great things to think about as far as transformation, um, you know, human revolution, all of that. But what were your ahas? Having well, written the I book. think one of the things, some ahas are really interesting. One, we, we uh, really talked about a lot of stuff that was going to change. And in fact, it did change. And it changed faster than, than we really thought. But some other things that we thought was going to move more quickly uh, didn't. For example, um, robotics is moving at leaps and bounds. Absolutely moving. And, and of course, robotics, when we wrote the book, and artificial intelligence was, of course, a key factor. Mm-hmm. But it is, not, it, it, it is not too far distant future that we will have, um, you know, ro- robots that are human-like and doing a lot more of the sort of grunt and work mm-hmm. that humans uh, typically have done before. So I think that was a big uh, sort of aha. What is surprising that the auto industry, which was really on a fast-paced trajectory, and still is, frankly, but has slowed down a bit um, and is not moving quite as quickly on uh, autonomous cars and all of that kind of thing, partly because there's been some serious uh, accidents and some other things, and they're working out the the bugs. But it, it would have seemed that that would have galloped a lot faster mm-hmm. and when you think about it so many people just think about folks who drive you know and having an autonomous vehicle is pretty freeing mm-hmm. yeah it's it's scary in some respects as well mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah um i i also think it's interesting and i harken back on the fact that so many of our uh, futuristic TV shows, movies, that kind of thing, books that were written by H.G. Well, Wells, and that kind of the predicted what the future would look like and some of the things that we have. I mean, Star Trek, you know, with the flip phone, their right. communicators, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, so I love the fact that we've taken that and created something actually very, very significant with it. Um, but then you have the iRobot... And Terminator, where the um, the robots, the robotics, in essence, um, turn on us. Um, 
did did you see that in looking at your future proofing of the workplace? Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that we're not futurists, and that mm-hmm. isn't really why we wrote the book. But right. um, I think that you have to pay attention to all of that, or you can. Um, what we really talked about, and here was another eye opener, sadly, um, that the notion of what it takes to be a great leader really has not changed for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, yet we don't seem to only about 15% of the leaders in the world are considered great leaders. And Kuzis and Posner who wrote the leadership challenge and great right. authors. Um, they did a recent study and, and they said it was something like 18% of the leaders who actually really practiced um, steward leadership in the world. And we all know that that's the leadership style based upon the research and everything else that's out there is the leadership style that gets the most productivity, engages people the most, and gets the most innovation. Yet people still fall back to this command and control, fear-based, belittling um, leadership style, which we know what that caused, and it's still causing it. Mm-hmm. And that, that was kind of a surprise. Yeah, um, having you know spent many years in the military and, and in corporate for that matter, um, that command and control is very, very prevalent. Um, and, it, and to be honest, it doesn't look like it's moving uh, out. Nope. And, and that's, as you said, this servant leadership or steward leadership is really where you engage everyone. You bring them in. They have a vision. They're aligned. They feel um, empowered. Hello. Good, good word. Um, to be able to make change. So what changes do you need, do you think we need to see um, in leaders to adjust to the new realities of work? Yeah, well, I mean, the fact of the matter is that, that I think leaders do need to embrace the five uh, leadership behaviors that we articulated in uh, global leadership. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is that if you want to innovate, and sure, you can have command and control in heavily industrialized organizations. Um, you know, you, you certainly can do that, but the heavily industrialized organizations in the next 30 years are going to be largely things of the past. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be human capability really creating those things that come out of those businesses. So I think that leaders who can create that sense of purpose, who can really engage the heart, uh, who can create a culture where people work together constructively and cooperatively, who can span uh, boundaries, organizational boundaries, who can work in a networked kind of environment, uh, who can figure out and ask the right questions and then get the right answers and work with people to get the right answers, who can know their people, know the people that they're working with and create opportunities for those people to get ahead in their careers. Those are the leaders of the future. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any question about it. So Linda, do you see that as a marriage of the feminine qualities and the masculine qualities to really embrace both sides? Well, I don't know that it's a marriage of the feminine and the masculine. I mean, there's been a lot of research, as you know, and my good friend Eric uh, Schoenberg, who's the 
CEO of uh, Fast Company and uh, Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, they're magazines that are part of his company. You know, he, he was citing some research that was been around for a very long period of time, which said that women's characteristics actually make better leaders. Mm-hmm. And those are the, some of the characteristics that I've spoken to, although there are many men that also embrace those characteristics. It's just that it's been a much more macho world, and the brain has been ingrained over centuries uh, to be a little bit more rough and tumble, partly because of what men had to do and how difficult life was. And, uh, you know, there was much more fighting and um, difficult just plain living that men had to deal with. And it caused some of that command and control behavior. But the world is entirely different now. Mm-hmm. So you see uh, more embracing of creativity, collaboration, cooperation, yes. empathy, that kind of thing, as opposed yes. to the um, competition and the one-upsmanship and that kind of thing? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So will this all change um, how people's careers are planned out, I mean, and how we have to adjust to what's going on? Well, I just, I don't think people's careers are going to be planned out like they have been in the past. Um, You know, it's not going to be an upward trajectory in a vertical career line. Mm -hmm. It's going to be much more of a network situation. People who are born today, kids who are, well, they're not necessarily kids, but Generation Z, those people are going to be working well past 75. Mm-hmm. Interesting research by, by Kellogg, you know, University of Michigan, well past 75. They're going to have many different sabbaticals, 35 or so different careers. I mean, I've had just myself um, about seven different careers, and I'm working on my next one, actually. <laughs> uh, and it worked in all sorts of different environments. So people are going to be much more fluid. It's a documented fact that people can learn uh, technical things. What people have a more difficult time learning is how to collaborate, how to be uh, curious learners, how to bring out the best in other people, um, how to have empathy how to have caring for the customer. And I suspect your uh, person who was on talking about the kinds of jobs that are there. I was at a conference uh, speaking actually for the 21 jobs of the future put on by Duke and uh, Cognizant and jobs that are people and human related like healthcare. um, While they're going to be technologically driven much more than they were before, they are going to be much more about caring for people Uh, mentoring people, coaching people, uh, younger people taking care of older people, um, those kinds of things. So I think that's where we're headed. Yeah, I I also think one of the things she said is there was um, a job about helping people to be human that um, because there's so much Uh, AI and this kind of thing, that just understanding what it means to be human is an important piece. So audience, while we take this really short break, please think about how your career would change to embrace more of the feminine qualities 
in your life, in your work, and in your leadership. And we'll be right back. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. Have you left your corporate or military career to start your own business? Are you frustrated that you're not seeing the success you expected as an entrepreneur? Let leadership expert Linda Patton show you the key skills and mindset you need to engage your team, build your influence, and create the thriving business of your dreams. Linda Patton understands the challenges and frustrations facing a new business owner. Drawing from her own 40 years of experience in the military, corporate, government, and entrepreneurial arenas. That's why it's become Linda's life work to help women like you truly become the world-changing, extraordinary leaders you are meant to be. Are you ready to step in, step up, and step out into leadership to create an exceptional business and life? Start by scheduling a free 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at Dare to Lead with Linda.com. That's Linda at Dare, the number two, leadwithlinda.com. Linda Patton draws from her four decades of leadership experience and her heartfelt passion to show women how to lead, dream, and create what inspires them. Her signature training programs and workshops will guide you through the key skills you need to own your leadership power, build your resources, plan your path, and take the actions that will translate your vision into reality. Start by scheduling a free, no-obligation, 30-minute strategy session with Linda Patton. Contact her at Linda at dare to dream with linda.com that's linda at dare the number two dream with linda.com have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy plus you get to take advantage of some great member benefits get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels keep track of your favorite episodes shows and hosts in your own customizable library Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Women's Channel, a leader in the forward movement of women's success. You are listening to Leadership Stars with Linda Patton. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. You may also send an email to Linda at daretoleadwithlinda.com. Now, back to Leadership Stars. Welcome back to this episode of Leadership Stars. I'm here with the absolutely transformational leader, Linda Sharkey, who's been sharing with us about future-proofing the workplace, as well as your own career, your own life, and just your own personality. Um, I love the fact that Linda was um, honored with the Super Women Achievement Award. And was that at the HR Development Conference, Linda? Uh, that was in uh, India at the World HR Development Conference, yeah. That's pretty special. Yeah, it was very exciting. Very, very exciting. And so what does that mean? What is the Superwoman Achievement Award? 
Well, I, you know, you really have to ask that. <laughs> it, what, what it really was, was they looked at women who made a great contribution to the world and the work of women. Um, and by a juried panel, uh, looked at, uh, you know, I was the head of diversity for HP as it reported into me and have been doing a lot of work in the diversity field for the better part of 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, I think that they look at those factors and they decided, and I'm very humbled by it, that they thought I deserve some recognition for the work that I've done in helping women advance their careers. Well, congratulations. So since you were, spe- you were or you had the diversity area um, as part of your responsibility at HP, what is the role of diversity and how will that and culture play out in this new world of work that we've been talking about? Well, you know, that's such a great question. Um, you know, that is one of the factors of the future that's in the book that you really need to deal with. That's We, we have six factors in the book, leadership, you know, which we've already talked about, culture, um, which we've not really gotten embraced, uh, talked about too much, but culture is such a critical uh, part of an organization and culture makes all the difference as to whether you're going to have a diverse organization or not. And, you know, the fact, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the world has been diverse since forever mm-hmm. and workplaces are diverse since forever. It's just the levels where people are that that's the diversity. And it's still a, unfortunately in many ways, I love white males, but <laughs> um, you go to you know major corporations, and still they are largely white male dominated. Um, political environments, a look at our own, is largely uh, old white male dominated, um, and that has got to change because the younger generation, like I said to you, they are the most diverse, they are the most well educated, um, and they have expectations that are. Um, to be accepted and to thrive. And they're not going to put up with being held back just simply because they're a woman or being held back just because somebody's black or has a different color skin uh, or somebody, you know, is a first generation immigrant or something like that. So diversity, it's not that we don't have diversity. The United States was six in 1965 was 95% white and it was a diverse white, you know, diverse religions, uh, diverse uh, country backgrounds. So mm-hmm. it's always been there. The difference is now that diversity is a, ninth, is a 20th century situation. What you need to do as a company today is look at your diversity and not make sure that they're included because inclusion means be like me and I'll include you. But mm-hmm. we need to make sure that the workplace is about belonging where people feel I'm comfortable here, I belong here, my ideas are valued, I can innovate here, I can build a career here, um, I'm treated with respect here, and, you know, I have friends here. And, you know, that's a question on the uh, great place to work, you know, and the, the employee engagement surveys, you know, do you feel like you have friends there? Well, many people will say that, but you have to feel like you have really friends there Mm -hmm. people there that you could roll up your sleeve with no matter who you are and what part of the world you hail from that's the difference and that is a cultural and leadership 
issue. So a couple things out of that, Linda. Um, today, you know, we we've had the struggle with our our current president and immigration, um, and separating families of uh, immigrants coming in. How does this fit into the new workplace? Well, you know, I'm not a politician, and you know, I'm not a a, a political scientist. So I really, Linda, don't get into. Um, those questions. One, because I just don't know enough about it. Yeah. What I do know a lot about is that my family was an immigrant family, second generation. Um, they were Irish. Um, I know a lot of people who are first generation Indian, mm-hmm. uh, second generation Chinese, uh, a number of black friends who have hailed from way back from slaves and are all contributing great things to the work environment because the work environment where they were was open enough to see their value and help them move forward. And that's the important piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would so agree with you. I think some of the most talented people oftentimes are those first generation, second generation immigrants coming in. And there's um, there's a hunger in them to succeed and to have a better life here than perhaps they could have had in their own home country, which is why they came here in the first place. Um, looking at, uh, you know, you, sorry, go ahead. Of us came here. So yeah, you know, my, my grandfather, great grandfather, not my grandfather, my great, great grandfather uh, did not have, probably did not have more than a third grade education. Now in those days, you know, he was at least literate. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my brother is a lawyer, my sister is a linguist, you know, I have a PhD, um, you know, and we've all achieved really interesting things. And our family story is no different than any other immigrant family story. But, you know, we had to fight our way. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's good. Um, I'm saying, I think Carnegie was an immigrant. So, need well, I say I was going to say, in essence, everyone who is here in the United States was an immigrant, including, I think, the Native Americans who traveled across the Bering Strait to get here. So, you know, the only indigenous peoples were, or may not even been people, they may have been animals, who knows. Um, But we all came from somewhere. Uh, And so... Yeah, I think that's very interesting. You know, it's what you said about 1965 and the fact that 95% of the workforce was um, white now, males. United States. Uh, in 1965, the ethnic makeup of the United States was 95% white. Okay. All right. Um, it, what's I think also and interesting. Now, 38% of mixed races. Mm. Okay. So we have made a significant change. Oh, it's a significant change. The question is not so much that we don't have diversity. We do. We've got a lot of it, and we, we always have, frankly. It's the question of people in power not opening the gates mm. for other people who are different to belong and to be included. Yes, so true. And then uh, taking that sort of a a little bit in a different direction, as far as women are concerned, we come in um, oftentimes with gender and cultural um, 
stories that have been told to us from the time we were a small child up as far as, you know, you need to be perfect, you need to know 100% of the job or the issues or whatever it is that you're working with, you're, you're the support person, you stand in the background, that kind of thing. And those also impact us in making significant changes in the workplace and to be able to step into the kind of leadership that you've been talking about. Is that true? Oh, yeah, I think that's largely true, which is why I spend a lot of time and sort of trying to be a student of neuroscience right now, because a lot of these messages have been drilled into the brain for centuries. And what happens in the brain, Linda, is that you see a situation and intellectually you may know, oh, I don't want to discriminate against that woman Mm -hmm. or I really want to help that um, Chinese-American or I want to help that African-American or whatever. But your brain reacts to what it knows and has learned and it reacts faster than you can put the rational actions into place. Mm-hmm. So you will immediately make a decision that, oh, I see that, that black man walking across the street in the hoodie. I should be scared. Right. Right. But that's how you, that's, that's your immediate subconscious reaction. Same about a woman. And I, and I think, too, it also puts us in a position where we don't put ourselves forward. So we may bring an idea to our boss um, that uh, for a project that we really are excited about, but we never say to the that that boss, I want to be the project lead on this. We hand them the project, and then he he, he feels I can give it anywhere I want because she never said she wanted it or that she thought she was qualified. And the same way with um, the the next job, you know, we, there's an anticipation that well he knows that I'm the best qualified or he knows that I want it. And it's like when when did your boss suddenly be able to read your mind? You know, if you don't tell them, if you don't step out and speak uh, what you want, what you're qualified to do, and that kind of thing, it's not going to happen. Um, and it, that has been a, a real, I think, eye opener for many women, in, in the sense that oh, because that's what your male counterpart is doing, um, and so that's the expectation in the in the business world that you stand up for yourself and what you want and where you want to go and how you want to make your career, right? Right, absolutely. Okay. Well, I think, you know, to to a large extent, um, you, you do have to stand up, but you have to understand the messages that you've been told. I do a lot of workshops with women and, and men. I mean, you know, a lot of different people around this whole issue of diversity, and I really have them look at, who do they feel most comfortable with? Who are their best friends at work and their circle of trust? And, you know, how do they move beyond that circle of trust? And then what were some of the messages that they were told as they were growing up? And mm-hmm. so the brain can reshape those messages. Like somebody was told, you know, you're really not so smart. Or, gee, women should lose at checkers when you're playing checkers. <laughs> you know, and, and what are, you know, that really you should be pretty and sweet Um mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't be smart and and uh, uh, aggressive, and I don't mean negatively aggressive. And what were those messages, and how are they helping you, and how are they holding holding you back? And I think that's the root cause is really getting under the covers of what are the beliefs that we have 
and how do we reshape those beliefs to help us be, become the people that we're really capable of being, mm-hmm. regardless of who you are. It's interesting, Linda, because we keep going back to the subconscious messages that we have, the things that we learned long ago and became just part of our belief system, our opinions, the stories we tell about ourselves, the stories we tell about other people, and that really working with those thoughts, those emotions, those actions, those results is really how you make long-term positive change in yourself and in others. So, Linda, you have a free gift for our listening audience. Would you tell them a little bit about it? Yes, I would. Well, I, you know what I would uh, like to offer to anybody? Just send me an email and cite uh, Linda Patton's show um, that you were listening. And I have a quick quiz for both your career and for your organization that can tell you against everybody else who's taken this survey you know, where you stand in terms of being future-proof for today and then help focus in on one or two things that you can do both for in your organization or for yourself to make sure that you're going to thrive today and tomorrow. So, um, you know, I'm happy to get the survey out to people and uh, who contact me and then uh, give you a quick 15-minute debrief. All right. Sounds very, very perfect at this particular point in time. And I thank you so very much, Linda, for offering that. Um, I do have a quick question for you. Um, three pieces of advice for leaders today. Well, I think the first thing you should do is really uh, take a look at your leadership style. And, you know, we're very clear in the book what kinds of leaders are successful. And these are uh, these are not characteristics that have not been proven. They're been proven for years. Uh-huh. And Take a good look at yourself and what kind of leader are you and what, what would people say who interact with you? How are they experiencing your leadership? Okay. And Linda, unfortunately, I'm going to have to get these from you and put them out with our show notes at this particular point in time. But I wanted to thank you so much for being oh. with us Great. today. Well, thank and- you. It was fun. Great. And for the rest of you, my audience, thank you for being here. And if you have any questions or you would like to talk further, please send an email to Linda at dare, the number two lead with Linda. And just remember, until next time, be courageous, dare to lead. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Stars. Please join Linda Patton for another engaging edition of our program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll feature another noted leader next week.